Welcome to Conversations with Cleo. I'm Cleo McLaren, lawyer, wellness lover, leadership, mindset and confidence coach. Each week I'll bring you a thought on unfiltered, intimate conversation with an inspiring guest that will help you overcome your fears, get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business and relationships. Let's do this. So I'm going to introduce you to Junior Ogunyemi, who is a serial entrepreneur and inspirational speaker. For over a decade, he's been making headlines for launching many successful companies. His business portfolio ranges from local sports academies to global tech ventures, and his achievements have seen him collect numerous national awards and become one of the most sought-after business speakers. Due to the remarkable impact of his work, leading educational institutions regularly call him to help design their entrepreneurial curriculum. He has produced one of the highest ranking courses on Udemy and is the best-selling author of the highly influential book, How to Be a Student Entrepreneur. He's appeared on TEDx, has worked on government initiatives locally and internationally, and is a dynamic, inspirational speaker. His messages have helped thousands of business owners gain clarity, learn how to cultivate an entrepreneurial mindset and maximize their full potential. So without further ado, hello. Hello. Oh gosh, that bio is just my <laughs> swelling. <laughs> well, Who is this guy? Be... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all true. It's all true. And it's funny that you say that about your head swelling, because before we got on today, I was thinking about us when we first met because we've known each other for many years now mm-hmm. and um when I met you you were already you know a guru and I was just starting out just on my journey into coaching and you had all of this stuff behind you all of these accolades and stuff but you were so like unassuming you don't like have to sh- <laughs> you never shout about it you're just so cool calm and collected and you can like own a room without shouting so that's one of the things I love about you, you. So, <laughs> yes so what shall we talk about first I'm really interested and excited to talk about this book so the first book it was such a game changer for me you know everyone has that goal like you know one day I'm gonna write a book um and I thought yeah, I'll be doing that when I'm about 50 this book came when I was 21 and it was such a big life lesson in it because it was just all about season opportunities. Um, at the time, I was, you know, I was just 21. I was fresh out of university. I ran several businesses, failed in several businesses, but I was getting this knack for entrepreneurship. And um, I was at a business conference with like Richard Branson, Alan Sugar, and all these sort of famous people. And, you know, you, hearing them, you're like, you're thinking you can take on the world. Huh? Yeah. So yeah. Sort of walk into the toilet and someone's trying to sign me up for an author's course. So I'm just trying to get rid of them. I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm right. I'm already an author. I'm already an author. <laughs> and um, and I was tell us, tell us about your book. And literally, I just said, it's called How to Be a Student Entrepreneur. Because yeah. that was literally just what I was just doing. I was just finished being a student and I was going into the world of entrepreneurship full time now. Um, and they thought, oh, that's quite an interesting book. Tell me more about it. So I was just like flagging it, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they, uh, I gave them my business card. And um, about three days later, uh, the CEO of a publishing company called me up. Like, is this Junior of Yemi? I'm like, yeah. yeah. Uh, is this the author of How to Be a Student Entrepreneur? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh my God. Then, yeah. Exactly. So um, then they said, "Oh, tell us more about the book." And again, I just started blagging it. Things that I thought should be in a book like that. Yeah. And then I love the concept. We like it. How many pages is it? 
I'm like, um, I don't know, it's about 100 pages. And then they, they pause, they're like, okay, yeah, that's good, that's good. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> like, How many chapters is that? I'm like, um, it's about nine chapters. And oh, normally we expect 12. I'm like, yeah, nine, 10, 11, 12. And just, <laughs> yeah, make it in the finishing touches. Mm. So they're like, all right, if you put the finishing touches to us and, and get it to us by the end of the month, if we like it, we're, we're going to take it on a publishing. I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? You know, um, not knowing how long it takes to actually write a book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I spent the next uh, week turning my old bedroom into an office and then the next three weeks just writing my heart out. So within three weeks, I got the whole book done and I sent it into them. Normally, you're supposed to get it like instantly proofread and edited. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did just to sort of see, you know, whether it's actually fit the submission. And then the proofreader said, do you know what? This felt first draft, you nailed it. It's brilliant. There's not much I needed to oh, do, wow. just typos here and there. So with that sort of seal of approval, I sent it through to the publishers. They said the same thing, that this is an amazing book. And they, I never told them it was my first draft. Yeah. Um, and then they, they published it about four months later at London Business Startup Show in front of 3,000 people. And wow. since then, um, I've been on the road as a pretty much a full-time motivational speaker talking about things that I say in the book. And it's taken my career just like through the roof uh yeah seize opportunities <laughs> that you know like. that is so amazing i mean for anyone that's inspired or thinking about writing their book i suppose it's the same story won't apply to everyone but the lesson yeah. the lesson it's, is it's just about that imposter syndrome that everyone talks about and everyone's school scared of and i'm like you know whenever you do anything new you're supposed to get a little bit of imposter syndrome because it's new it's growth it's something that you haven't done before mm. it doesn't mean that you are not capable it just means it's new and when we start to uh, address our emotions like that, I definitely felt nerves sending it. Definitely felt nerves. I felt like I was lying to somebody, but then I needed to back it up. It, was, it wasn't a lie. It was a promise I was making to myself and a promise I was making to somebody else. And, and that extra external accountability actually pushed me to, to go and do the unthinkable. Only afterwards, I realized that it, it takes about nine months to two years to write a book. Yeah. But I, I was naive to that in a good way. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you just sort of push yourself to the best that you can do. And and I think that's how we should start to respond to things like that whole imposter syndrome. And you know, you're new to this. Brilliant. So that was the kind of ignition behind you then going out and speaking. But mm. Had you been doing that before or was that the ignition from it? And if that was then you, how did you become confident on a stage now speaking to hundreds or thousands of people? How did you do that? Um, speaking was a, quite the same it was the start of my speak I'll say the start of my speaking career but it wasn't the first time I, I spoke mm. um so um again speaking how that came about I was designing business cards for myself probably like six months before the book just started bought, let me brand myself and I bought social entrepreneur on my business card and that was it and it just looks a bit empty so I thought let me just put speaker next to it <laughs> just to fill up some space yeah we I haven't actually done one proper talk in my entire life well, the moment I handed that business card, the first person I handed it to, they're like, oh, wow, social entrepreneur. Oh, wow, speaker. Yeah. I actually have a friend who's done an event and they're looking for a speaker. I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, so again, it was just a case of pretending to be ready. And um, they put me on stage. And because I was talking about stuff that I was already doing and living, it just came out. And um, uh, they, they loved it. I actually, and then afterwards, I confess, I'm like, you know, this is actually my first gig. I'm not really a speaker. Yeah. And then they called me back to do another talk. And I was just like, honestly, I'm, I'm really not a speaker. I don't have time for this. <laughs> but I, I gave them a referral to somebody else who was a speaker, you know, been doing it for ages. Yeah. So, because um, I 
I didn't take it seriously then. Um, they, they went and boxed in the other person. And then they came back to me and says, you are better than that other person. And um, we want you back or we'll even pay you. So now when they said they'll pay me, I'm like, all right, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're about, yeah. <laughs> um, And then, yeah, from there on, the, the, the numbers start going up in terms of how much people pay. The feedback started then improving. Compared to how I speak now to how I speak then, I'm, I'm way more refined. So it was just a case of just, yeah, just trialing it out and just doing it. There's no way I would have been able to hold a crowd of 10,000 people, which I can do now. Yeah. But then it was just like, just me having a conversation like this. But mm. for some reason, people connected with it. And then I started to actually go through formal speaking training to refine myself and to, to prepare myself. Yeah. So it was a combination of just going through it with the guts and having that raw talent, but also to the level where I speak now professionally and train other people to it took years and years of practice and lots of courses to refine myself. Yeah, because that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, well, first of all, it is kind of just do it. You have to get started. That's mm-hmm. just the point. We have to start somewhere. But I suppose if you continue to develop and train and get better, then you become yeah. become even better. But what about okay. people who do you think this is something innate within you that makes you kind of take these risks and chances and has become an entrepreneur or was it something that, I don't know, your parents ingrained in you or is it in I'm just special. I'm just fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I'm are not... special. <laughs> <laughs> we're all special. And that's the thing, we're all yeah. special. I think, number one, with, with regards to that whole debate of is it nature or is it nature, it's entrepreneurship, definitely something that can be taught to anybody. Definitely. I know that for a fact because I was taught it and I definitely know that for a fact because if you can't be taught entrepreneurship, I'd be out of business by now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I train people on entrepreneurship. So um, so it's definitely something that can be taught. But I think what people look at, which is that sort of that je ne sais quoi, that wow, that, that wow factor, mm. that's just what makes someone great, period. So you can play the violin and then you have someone who's great at playing the violin. That's the wow yeah. factor. Yeah. You can have someone who's a mother and someone who's like, great at being a mother. Yeah, that's the wow factor. You can have someone who bakes cake and someone who like throws it down. That's the wow factor. So I think that exists with everybody. And it just that's just natural character traits, like you know, your determination, your ability to learn and take on feedback, your yeah. how often you put in those sort of those ten thousand hours type of thing. So that's what makes people great at anything. And we see that on a huge scale on entrepreneurship because there's so many big headlines about it and all the flashy cards. So we will see the big fruits of it in entrepreneurship. Mm. People think that is the, you know, that is entrepreneurship. If I'm not doing that, if I'm not making millions, I'm not an entrepreneur, which isn't true. You you, you can still be an entrepreneur. You might not be the wow entrepreneur yet, but you're still very much an entrepreneur. It's just more about how you start to think. Um, and you can be trained on how to, to think like an entrepreneur. Well, that's what I was going to say to you. When you uh, just talk, touching on that, you can be trained in how to think. Because mm. of, you know, well, the times that we're in now, dealing with the pandemic, something that nobody would have ever envisaged. A lot of people are losing their jobs. Some people are making more money, some less. And mm. there's a lot of people looking to kind of transfer over from a more structured professional career into becoming an entrepreneur. But their mindset is often not where it needs to be because they're so used to having to answer to somebody and having accountability. And then when they go to do their thing, they've got the idea, but they're not able to execute. So I know people have to pay to come to your conferences and they need to read your book. <laughs> but, but if there were just like one or two 
tips that you could give in terms of creating the right mindset what would that look like how long have we got on this ah. <laughs> i'm about to go full seminar mode on you now so yeah right, I'll, I'll sum it up in this so there's three key mindsets that need to adopt and we can look at the entrepreneurship uh, as a spectrum so you've looked at the entrepreneurship spectrum so on the basic level you have the dreamers right these are people who you know just think about it but they never take action so just like those people you, you've mentioned oh i should do this but they never take action Dreaming is a good stage to be in because at least you're thinking. Most people don't even bother thinking. They just get told what to do. But it's not a good stage to stay in. So you have to move to stage two, which is the dabbler. And this is where you try certain ideas. You try this, you probably make a bit of money, lose a bit of money. Again, this is a good stage to be in, but not a good stage to stay in. It's a good stage to be in because you at least you're taking action. That's the most important thing. You're taking action. And most people on the dreamer stage never take action. Mm. Um, but you're dabbling too much, which means there's no consistency, there's no focus, um, and you're, you've got that sort of entrepreneurial syndrome where the grass is always greener and you're looking for other ideas. Um, so then once you go from the dreamer to the dabbler, then you become a doer, which you start to focus. Um, and this, that's when you're known as, I don't know, that t-shirt guy or that app girl or that, you know, you're known for that one thing, that one business or that one area of entrepreneurship that you've mastered, whether it's social entrepreneurship, um, fintech or whatever it is. Uh, and then there's a final stage, which is what we call the dominated stage. This is where the Oprah Winfrey's, the Elon Musk's, and the Richard Branson's are. And this is this just basically means I've been in an industry for about 10 to 20 years, and I'm a master in the industry. Yeah. You know, anything I do affects the whole industry. It doesn't just affect my sector. So those are the four stages of entrepreneurship. It's the dreamer, the dabbler, the doer, and then the dominator. That's the path that everybody's going to go through. Some people are at certain stages, some people are at other stages, but everyone's going to go through that path. Now, with regards to your question of mindset, the reason I laid that context is because to hop from one to the other, there's certain mindsets that's required. And now you'll probably see the importance of each mindset. So the first one, to the, the dreamers, the babbler, is all about the action, an orientated mindset. So that's the very first starting point. You have to be a person that doesn't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. have to take action. And taking action should be second nature to you. Whether you, you're 100% sure about the results or not, it's just this sort of natural tendency to, great, I'm going to act on it. I've got the idea, I'm going to act on it. Because that does something for you psychologically. It, it challenges the stories that you keep telling yourself. Yeah. And we all have stories about the future. We all have, we walk into a room, oh, people are looking at me, people are doing this, people are doing that. And when you start to believe those stories, it stops you from taking action. Yeah. And the only thing that can cure that doubt is action, evidence. So you go out there and you actually reach a hand to someone and all of a sudden, oh, they're not being cold and frosty to you. They, they, they're they actually interested in you. All of a sudden, those fears are, are faded away because you've taken action to do something. Taking action is the most important thing. Second part, going from the, the dabbler to the doer is all about focus. You've got an action-orientated mindset and then a focus-orientated mindset. So focus, follow one course until successful. F-O-C-U-S, follow one course until successful. And this is something that most people in general struggle with focus, especially in, the, in this current generation where there's so much choice and so much abundance. Yeah. It's very hard for people to focus on a relationship, very hard for people to focus on what movie to watch, what podcast to listen to, what book to read. Um, and we, we lose our ability to focus or even the, the sense of the importance of focus. Wait, I'm going to stop because I have to write this on my wall. Just say, what was, what was it again? <laughs> follow one course until successful. Until successful. Right, okay. Yeah. F-O-C-U-S. Follow one course until successful. And that's what focus is all about. So what I do now, if I start a business, the t- natural tendency is next month I've got another business idea. So I write a plan. I say, I'm not going to move from this business idea until, I don't know, seven months. 
you, know, you can't be crazy. You can't be like that fighter that his head against the wall if it's not working. Pivot, but mm -hmm. I have to give it a long enough time. I have to give it the necessary time and a required level of commitment to whether to see whether this is going to work or not. I can't just trial it and then you know, I fall out of love with it and try something else. And then the third mindset, so we've got the action-orientated mindset, the focus mindset, and then it's all about consistency to go from the doer to the dominator stage. Yeah. That's when you're going to require a lot of consistency and you have to be consistently consistent. You have to be literally obsessed with consistency, as in me waking up at 6 a.m. to do the emails, then do the meetings, then do the briefings and do all the other stuff. It's not, it's not just a habit, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. You know, it's it's a lifestyle. Me taking 10% of my money, putting it aside, taking another 50%, investing it in this and that. It's not just, uh, you know, something I do on a whim. It's a lifestyle. It's my discipline. How I eat, how I sleep, how I train, how I think. I'm consistent with it all. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you get to that stage and you're doing that over and over and over again, success is inevitable. It's yeah. absolutely inevitable because you're just following a set of principles. You're not following your feelings, you're following principles. And that's what most consistent people do so those are the three core things in terms of a mindset number one you have to have that action that ability just to take action and again that's something you can be trained on just make it make a promise to yourself that you're going to take action on something that you said you were going to do even if it's something as small as i'm going to make my bed yeah the moment you say that you're going to wake up the next morning and be like oh, i'll come back and do this before bedtime or i'll come <laughs> back and do this later no take action right there and then and then it's that focus, which means just eliminate all other distractions so you can only operate on one path. Everything else, it's that whole fear of missing out. Forget it. Just train your brain to actually start to focus and then train your brain to be consistent afterwards. If you can do that, then you're, you're well on the way to pivoting from that employee mindset or whatever mindset that you have yeah. to the mindset that's required for you to succeed as an entrepreneur. Well, that all makes sense and it sounds absolutely amazing, but I'm just thinking about, for some reason, it's just making me think about when I finished my first degree and my friends that didn't go to uni said, you know, I just don't know how you did it. Didn't you find it really hard? Was it? And I was like, do you know, it wasn't even necessarily the content of what I was learning mm. or studying in terms of business or marketing or law. It was actually managing how to deal with life while staying consistent going through it. That's what the juggle is. So I hear what you say about that staying focused and being consistent. But what happens when that event happens or that trauma happens or someone passes mm. away or that breakup and it, the emotions come in? How do you manage that part of life? So that, I'm not immune from all of those stuff either. That Everybody goes through that. I think it's about building that resilience. And ideally, you want to build that resilience before those things happen. Yeah. Otherwise, when those things happen, that's going to be your training ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's about building that resilience so that, okay, I went through, I went through the relationship, relationship didn't work out, wash it off and move on. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people have to go the long route and experience it themselves. So one of the most powerful lessons that I learned from very young is to learn from other people's mistakes. Yeah. Because when you're young, you haven't made that many mistakes. You're probably going to go through all that stuff. You're going to go through the losses. You're going to go through the heartbreaks. You're going to go through the devastating news. Um, but if I can learn how other people dealt with it in, in a good way and a bad way, and I can choose now, if this was to happen to me, how would I want to deal with it? As opposed to waiting for it to happen to me. Yeah. Then I can start to prepare myself. You train yourself emotionally, mentally to be resilient to, to all of these things. So simple things like don't open yourself up to things that can mess up with your mind. 
yeah. whether it's substances, whether it's people, whether it's social media. Because if you understand the importance of your mind, this is the only mind that you have. And when you go through those times of chaos, it's your mind that you're relying on to see you through. You have to have a sober perspective all the time. If I, if my mind is contaminated with hate towards a certain group of people, it doesn't even take much for them to trigger me. It just takes for one person to look at me and all of a sudden I've lost my mind. And you're thinking that's the normal way to react when it's not normal because your mind has already been pre-programmed from all the nonsense that you've been hearing about it. Same way if you if you listen to people talking about how many times they failed in business, that's going to have an effect on you because we're social creatures. We're designed to absorb things from our environment. So it's, it is about sort of building that resilience before these things happen, ideally. But even if these things do happen, number one, having that outlet. For me, I grew up in the church, so I always had faith in terms of our higher level. If I can't handle this, I trust that there's God that's going to come and support. You know, regardless of what your spiritual beliefs are, that was very, very powerful for me in terms of helping me become resilient. Because you're shaped by the words that we care. I'm constantly hearing every Sunday that you know, I'm loved by the God of the universe and he wants to bless me and, and he wants to make me whole. And all I have to do is study and, and stay focused and stay on this good moral ground. The, the immoral distractions that would take me away from my business, it's not as tempting anymore because that's what my brain is literally being washed with. Yeah. So that's, that's the powerful thing. Our brain sometimes needs to be washed with something positive because there's so much toxic things that come in there. Yeah. And that starts to shape us and we don't realise. So when, when the day of trouble does come, we respond to it in a way that we shouldn't be and you know, we break down. But yeah, it's about having that sort of outlet. It's about having that resilience. Um, so things go wrong. I make it my, my, my weekly routine to take your break. I make it my weekly routine to do things that you can release tension because you don't know what stuff you've been affected through. Just stuff that you hear on the news affects you emotionally. It's in the back of your mind. You wonder why you can't sleep. Bad news that you've heard and it happens every single week. This past week has been a crazy one just in the business. Um, twice this week I felt like I've given up. Um, and then I have to go and get myself back into that frame of mind. Every time I do that, my resilience level actually goes up. Mm. And so it's, uh, it, it is a, it's a constant practice. But every time you're on that practice ground, it prepares you for the next battle. Yeah. Recently, the last few weeks, I found quite, I don't know, quite strenuous. And I wasn't really sure why. There wasn't anything major that happened. Yeah. Uh, I just was more tense than before. And I'd realized that the habits that we put in place are so integral to our survival and resilience, but we don't realize. Mm -hmm. And for me, fitness and nutrition are imperative for my yeah. survival, for my mind even more that I, than for my body. And not being able to go to the gym and not being able to be consistent with the exercise at home, because it's different. Yeah has affected how I'm responding to everything things. else. Usually it would be different. So it's about having to, it's just, yeah, keeping in those habits in place and no matter what is happening helps you That's to it. stay in check. Yeah, yeah. This, we, we make all our decisions and all our reactions. We only ever react to things. Things happen, we can only react to things. But you can choose your reaction. But what happens, we see how others reacting or how other people are reacting, which is in, isn't actually the best way to serve ourselves. We copy that. So now, yeah, COVID's happening. There's not much you can do about it unless you have the vaccine yourself. There's not much you can do about it. So you're screaming, they're panicking and doing all this stuff. That's not going to be the best reaction. But you do have a locus of control. There's stuff, there's stuff that you can control. There's stuff that you can mitigate for. There's stuff that there's ways that you can prepare yourself. If anything, you can use it as a wake-up call to say, right, if this was to ever happen again, how can I build a financial fortress for myself? 
yeah. that should help you. So there's, there's, there's positives and negatives and everything, but it's more about how, how we're tuned in. And I think most people who are resilient are always tuned in to see the glass is half full, and that's why they act accordingly, and that's why it looks like it doesn't phase them. Yeah. And even if something does phase them, they always have an outlet where, you know, so they don't contain it, they don't hold it in. And it's always the small things. Social media is probably the, the biggest downfall for people then nowadays. Yeah. Social media is governed by a bunch of loud people who don't even do fact-checking. And it's not a case, you know, back in the day, if something was, wasn't true, at least people would try to Google it to find out if it's true. Yeah. Now, as long as it's in a meme and it goes viral, then it must be true. <laughs> yeah. But it's like people don't read books anymore. If it's on social media and it's gone viral, then this must be the gospel truth. You know, this must be the people, this social media has become the number one source of higher education. It's yeah. become the number one place where people get their relationship advice. It's the number one place where people get their business advice. And it's governed by a bunch of people who are just loud people. It's not anything that's verified. And that's why I'm very mindful because you're reading someone's thoughts. When you look at someone's post or someone's tweet, you're reading their thoughts and that's affecting your thoughts. It's shaping. And the more people that agree with that general consensus, it starts to shape you no matter how well educated you are. This is now what you're seeing on a day-to-day basis and it shapes how you feel and how you think. Um, that's why I try to sort of limit my time on social media. If I need to post anything, I have an admin team that can put stuff out there for me. But I want to be very selective with who I follow because I'm being transformed by what I'm seeing. I'm not just being informed, I'm being transformed. You're starting to see that your behavior is changing. Probably look at your social media diet as well. Yeah. That's so, oh, that's just so poignant because, yeah, so you're saying look at what you consume, I suppose, well, physically in terms of nutrition, in terms of what you do with your body, and then your mind, who you keep around you, who are the people around you, and what are you consuming and how are they supporting you, and to let go of those people that really aren't good for you but now we have to look at social media on top of it which is part of our lives at the same time so it's a fine balance really it is all of these things are just tools and if you don't manage it it will take over you so it's about how you manage it i'm not saying social media is bad you can follow some really good people and it will do the opposite effect so it's more about how you manage this all but the problem is we don't manage it things are pushed on our timeline and we don't filter it and, and it's almost like somebody walking into your living room and just writing their nonsense. Yeah. And just talking, talking. It's literally yeah. that much of an interruption. It's like somebody, every single day, you, you pick up your phone. The first thing we do on when we wake up, we go check our phones. We go check what's new or what celebrity has died or has done something crazy on Twitter or whatever it is. Mm. Once this becomes your natural habit, your natural program, you're training your brain to go and look for validation outside. Start your day on whatever... Twitter or Facebook has decided that you're going to start your day with. And these things are also echo chambers as well, because you might believe that because all you're seeing on your social media feed is one particular thing. So you might think that that's how the whole world is, which isn't true. That's just your world because they they use algorithms to to show you what they want to show you. Whereas someone else's feed, it's someone, something completely opposite. And that's what the world looks like to them. So we're shaping our worldview based on, where we spend most of our time. And unfortunately, now most of our time is spent on social media. So it's about managing these things. Um, whether cutting down your time or cutting off people who you shouldn't even be following, mm. making sure that your, your mental is, is the healthiest place first and, and you're putting into it what you want to get out of it. Yes. I love that. 
Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's how we ended up on social media. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's my rant. I hate social media. <laughs> no, no. You love, well, the thing is, we all use it. But as you said, quite rightly, the tool to be used, not, you know, and nothing else. It's for us to use in the way that we want. Mm. Now, tell me what is happening for you this year. What exciting projects are you dabbling in? Because I know you always have. You're always oh, growing. Yes. So, yeah, talk to me. Yeah, this, this year has been quite exciting. For, for many years, I've actually had a bit of a, a fascination with the tech world. And um, I've mentored a lot of tech entrepreneurs. I've been doing it for about 10 years. And towards the end of last year, I, I thought, you know what? I've been helping other people raise finance, connect them with investors. I've got all these people on my network already. Let me do it for myself. So I delved straight in and now sort of launching a podcast streaming app that basically helps podcasters turn their audience into a mailing list. And it's, it's been phenomenal because I, when I say I've gone head first, every single day I spend two hours learning every day. I'm either on YouTube, on Udemy, I'm learning about this, I'm learning about that, I'm learning about... Sometimes I'm learning about something I need to go and lead a meeting about. Yeah. Like literally in a few more hours' time. But every single day I've spent so much time just learning because it's not about having that million-pound idea. I, firmly believe it's about becoming that million pound entrepreneur to being that person and then whatever idea you have you know you, voila you can do whatever you want with it so I've done an amazing growth personally and, and in my career most of my time I've just spent learning about this industry learning about the market just geeking out about it and it feels great because I've gone from being a master at something in entrepreneurship to going back down to the bottom yeah. and learning this whole new sector of entrepreneurship um, and, and I just love that because I'm, I'm a lifelong learner and sometimes you do get to the top where you're teaching people so much that you you never go back to that stage of challenging yourself to learn something new and going through that whole growth curve where oh I hate this I hate this I'm rubbish I hate, I'm failing at it and then eventually it's like hey this is good <laughs> yeah so I'm, I'm doing that journey right now <laughs> so oh, I'm learning that sounds so exciting so this is something that people will find out more about soon yeah, we're actually doing an official launch on my birthday, so it's the 2nd of December. By the new year, it'll, it'll be out there. It's called Zippy Stream. It's going to be free for everybody um, just to sort of use, enjoy, um, and, and get feedback from, really. Oh, my God. This is going to be, I mean, because the podcasting world has just like gone 110% in an upward trajectory this year. Yeah. yeah. And so people are going to be streaming out really for this, right? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, been, it's been really good. There's been so much excitement about it. Uh, we've already had about a thousand people pre-register and I've barely like told anybody about it. Yeah. So see, I'm quite, I'm quite excited as well. Probably going to be create more problems, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> signed up for. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely get that. Well, look, I know that I know I'm restricting on time because you always have a schedule and um, I would love <laughs> to keep you with me for much, much longer. So I'd just like to say thank you for joining me today, but I also just want to say thank you to you because I did mention earlier that when we used to speak at the beginning, I was at my mm. beginning and you weren't. And you really took time out to talk to me, to help me see the right direction in terms of business. And you mentioned something today, which was along the similar lines of like, I'd be like, oh, I want to do all these different things. I've got this idea and this idea and I want to do it all at the same time. Like, tell me how. And, you know, you gave me really good analogies that helped me to you know, if I threw out all of these marbles, you would be able to just carve out a really clear blueprint of the <laughs> way that I can follow it step by step in the process. So 
all right, maybe I didn't learn at the beginning. I didn't listen, obviously. But now now I do. And I remember all of those poignant things that you used to say to me and our time together. And I'm really hoping that once we're out of lockdown and things are a bit different, we can get together again. And Most definitely. And, you know, I'm, I'm super proud of you. I mean, it's like you said at the start, there's, you helped me a lot as well. Um, you helped me a lot with your skill set. You can help me. You can help many other people. So it was almost like a, a duty that I felt I had to make sure that you got your stuff out there because I know for your skills and your talent, there's so many people that can benefit from it. And if I know the skill set, if I know the blueprint that's going to sort of help you get the fast track to that, then I'm doing not just you but Golden in justice if I don't at least give that to you. Um, and that's how I always see things. If, if I see somebody that has, you know, you can make an impact that I can never make on people's lives or you've got uh, an idea or skill set that's amazing. It's not a case of like, oh, envying that person. It's like the world needs what you've got. Sometimes the person themselves doesn't even realise it. And, and that's the good thing about you know, mentorship or and, and fellowship is sometimes people see stuff in you and they probably got the missing piece. And if you had that missing piece, you could be so powerful for you thinking that, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm like, no, you're pretty much there. I'm so happy that you've got this podcast out there. You don't know how many people this podcast is going to bless. And I'm so happy that you have found the time and, and you know, got that kick up the bum to actually say, yeah, I'm going to actually go out there and, and do this. The world needs it, honestly, especially in, in this day and age. The world definitely needs it. So thank you, Cleo, honestly. Thank you. Well, I'm feeling the love and we're not even in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Right. Okay. So well, in the show notes that will be below, it will have your details in it. But while we're speaking, what's the best way for people to contact you? May get your book, get you speaking. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm always on social media. It's JR underscore entrepreneur on Twitter and on Instagram. And um, the book's called How to Be a Student Entrepreneur. You can find that on Amazon or on Kindle. Um, or you can go to my website, junioroganyemi.com, which is O-G-U-N-Y-E-M-I. Lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you. for being with me today. And um, we'll have you back again, obviously, once you've launched. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> See where you are. Okay, have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If this resonated with you, motivated you or lifted you up in any way, please make sure to share this with a friend or post it on social media. Tag me or my guests. The links are in the podcast description below and follow me on Instagram at Cleo McLaren. And if this is your first time listening, click that subscribe button. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a rating. And I'm just so grateful for you showing up love and light to you. I will see you in the next episode.